right, so today we're talking about, we're going to continue kind of a branch off of our series on seeds. We're talking about seedlings, and really this morning is for everybody. If you have a heart for the next generation, if you want to impact the next generation, whether you're a mom or a dad or whatever, you got someone in your life that's younger than you, this message is for you. Um, and so let's just pray one more time and dive into it. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to impact this next generation. God, we thank you for the seed of the word. We thank you for the seed that children are. And Lord, we just pray that you speak in a fresh way to all of us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So just a quick recap. Where, what are we talking about? All series we've been talking about sowing and reaping. Week one, we took a look at Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Motherhood, parenting, impacting this next generation is a seed-sowing season. Chucking down seed, seed of the word, seed of character and integrity, sowing seed into this next generation. And oftentimes it's a hidden season of sowing seed. No one sees the conversations you're having with the little ones. No one sees the way that you're sowing seeds into their life through intercessory prayer or, or the different ways that you sow seeds, spiritual seeds, into this next generation. So motherhood, parenting, impacting this next generation is an act of sowing. Um, but this morning we're going to take an angle talking about how children in the Bible are often referred to as seeds. We're talking about sowing and reaping kind of this whole month and talking about the different kinds of seeds. And um, when the Bible mentions seed, oftentimes it's referring to children. If you look in the Old Testament, there are 205 Old Testament verses that use the word seed. 160 of them are referring to children. Oh, not that one yet, honey. <clears throat> go on, go back. Um, that's almost 80% of all Old Testament scriptures are about children. The other 20% are referring to agriculture. But talking about children as seeds this morning is very scriptural. The New Testament, there's 52 New Testament verses about seeds. 35 of them, or 67%, are referring to seeds as children. The other references to seeds are a lot of the things we're talking about in this, in this series, right? The word of God is referred to as a seed, um, finances, believers, all of those kind of things that we're continuing to talk about throughout this whole series. So out of all the scriptures in the Bible that use the word seed, 75% of the time, seed is referring, referring to children or descendants, the people coming after you, Right? Let's take a look at a couple of these scriptures. In Genesis 9, 9, we say, And behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. Genesis 26, 4 says, And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, or your descendants, your children, all the nations on earth shall be blessed. And then in the New Testament, we see an example in Romans 9, 8. It says, that is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. So you see all throughout scripture, children are referred to as seeds, which is such a loaded word. 
Like it's different to call children seeds. You could just call them people. But God calls children, descendants, this next generation, seeds. And that is so loaded. That word seeds, he's, he, that every time he's saying the word children, he's not just saying a person. He's not just saying someone with a heartbeat. He's saying, no, there's more to this person than what meets the eye. This person is a seed loaded with potential, loaded with promise, loaded with purpose and a calling. The sky is the limit for what I want to do in this precious life. God calling children seeds also refers to the tenderness and the vulnerability of young ones, how they need nurturing and they need care. I remember early on in motherhood, motherhood's overwhelming no matter what season you're in, right? There's a lot of veteran moms in the room that you have a lot more experience than I do. But I was overwhelmed as a new mom. I'm still overwhelmed as a mom, but God helps us, right? But early on, I remember feeling very overwhelmed, like, God, this is a lot, and I really don't want to screw this up. And I don't know if I'm cut out for this. And God, I need an anchor. I need a scripture to stand on to just be confident that that I'm going to figure it out and the kids are going to turn out okay. And this scripture that I want to show here in a minute has become an anchor, was really an anchor early on in motherhood and continues to be um, an encouragement and an anchor for me. I want to share it with you. It, It leads into what we're talking about today. Psalm 128, three through four in the message says, Your wife will bear children as a vine bears grapes, and your household lush as a vineyard. The children around your table, as fresh and promising as young olive shoots, stand in awe of God's yes. Oh, how he blesses the one that God fears. And when I read, going back to the first slide, when I read that phrase, your household is lush as a vineyard, there was something in my heart that was just like, yes, Lord, I want that. And I receive that as a promise for my family. I receive that as a promise for our kids, that they are going to be lush. And, you know, any time that fear would come into my heart or, oh, my gosh, I'm doing this wrong or I'm a bad mom or my kids aren't going to turn out all right or what's happening, I would confess this scripture, God, I thank you that my household is a lush vineyard. And it just gives the imagery of strength and health and beauty and expansiveness, right? And then the next part of that scripture talks about um, kids around a table. I love the imagery of the scripture. It says, right before it says, and around your table, fresh and promising, um, young olive shoots. Fresh and promising young olive shoots around your table. Isn't that beautiful imagery? I I loved that when I first read it, and I still love it. Because it spoke to my, it spoke to the core of my soul. Because I recognized, and we all recognize, right, the tenderness and the potential of these kids sitting around our table, these kids in our life. There's just these fresh and promising little olive shoots. They have so much potential in them, but man, they're so tender. And um, I remember it just spoke to me of the promise of the potential in the seed. It uses the imagery of seed that we're talking about in this series. Fresh and promising olive shoots. Our children, this next generation, the seedlings in your life, are fresh, promising olive shoots. And as as adults, as people who want to invest in their next generation, we have to care for them and invest in them intentionally. Amen. 
this morning, before I get into my three main points, I just want to encourage you as we're talking, who are the seedlings in your life? You know, if you're a mom of young kids, you know who they are. But maybe you're a grandparent, or maybe you're an aunt or uncle, or maybe you're a teacher, or maybe you mentor, or who are the people in your life? Who are the seedlings that you're rubbing elbows with on a daily basis? Because those are the seedlings. Those are the young, fresh, promising olive shoots of children, seeds of this next generation that we're called to impact for his kingdom. Amen? So let's take a look on this topic of seedlings, on this topic of the fact that kids, children, descendants are seeds. Let's take a look at what do we do with this. A couple of questions. Number one, are you cultivating the potential of your seedlings? Are you cultivating the potential of your seedlings? By definition, a seed is loaded with potential. God calls these young ones, these descendants, these children, seedlings, and by, de- by definition, he's saying these kids are loaded with potential. Our responsibility as mothers, as parents, as adults who impact this next generation is to to call out, to discern the gifts that are within these ones. So these seedlings that are on your mind, do you discern the way that God wired them? Do you discern the gifts and the graces within them? Do you discern how God gave them a certain disposition and a certain personality and a certain spiritual gifting and a certain just natural, man, they're just good at this. They're better at this than other kids at their age. Do you discern that? And maybe you yourself have the gift of discernment and you have kind of a knowing or a a sense of how God is using them in this season and or how God wants to use them in the season to come. Our role as mothers, our role as parents and leaders for the next generation is to call out the potential in every seed. And especially mothers, man, we've got a unique position, whether your children are young or whether your children are old, the mother's voice carries weight, does it not? The mother's voice carries weight, and all day long, anytime you see your kids, you're prophesying over them. You're speaking life over them, dependent on what you're saying over them. We have the opportunity to cultivate the soil of their heart by speaking life over the potential that we see in them. I love this Psalm, Psalm 139, 15 through 16. It says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes, talking about God, God's eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, all the days for this life were written, days fashioned for me, when as, yet, when as yet there were none of them. Wow. This scripture talks about the value and the purpose of every single life. This scripture is saying before conception or at the very beginning when, when the life doesn't even have form really, God's saying at that moment I have a book filled with pages, dripping with purpose for this life. I knew you before your days even started on earth, and I have purpose for you. Moms, dads, spiritual parents, those who influence this next generation, are you cultivating the potential within the seedlings in your life? And what does that look like practically? 
You know, um, I, our, our words are so powerful. And so what it looks like practically is verbally. Maybe you think something in your head, but you have to verbalize it. Maybe there's a seedling in your life, and they just, they have the gift of discernment. They can pick up the feelings of people in a room, and they can sense what's going on emotionally in a room quicker than most adults. And that's a gift. Verbalize that gift to them. Bobby, I see that you have the gift of discernment. You can sense what people are feeling. You can sense what's happening in the room more than other people. I see that. That's a gift. And God has a purpose for that in your life. Maybe there's a seedling in your life and they can lead like nobody's business. If someone needs to step up and lead, they're stepping up to lead and and they're taking charge and they got people following them. As a two-year-old, they've got people following them. And you recognize the gift of leadership in them, so vocalize it to them. And say, Susie, I see the gift of leadership in you. People are following you. You, when you, you know when to step up and you know you have the courage to take the lead. That's a gift that God gave you. I just want to say there's purpose in that. God has purpose in that for you. Sparks them, right? It starts to help them see how God has made them. And we got to be careful because sometimes our, we use our words in the opposite way. We see a kid with leadership potential and we're like, oh yeah, she's so bossy. Bossy, bossy. That's not good. Or we see someone who has the gift of discernment or maybe the spiritual gift of mercy and we say, oh, she's so emotional or oh, he's so emotional. No, he's got discernment and the gift of mercy and, it's, and there's purpose in it. Amen? It means giving opportunities for these seedlings to grow in their gifting, signing them up for the drama camper, investing into the gift that you see within them, giving them responsibilities around the house, helping them serve with you in different roles as you serve and engage in the life of the body of Christ here at church. And while children are seeds, the, oftentimes the season of parenting that feels the most hidden is when you've got little ones at home. You're chucking seed down like crazy, but sometimes you're not even aware because you're just in survival mode. And it's hidden years of seed planting. And you think, I, all I am doing right now is changing diapers and wiping butts and keeping nap time schedule going and all of this stuff. But I was talking to a young mom the other day, and, you know, our kids are 11, 8, and 5. And we were talking about these young years and how you don't, oftentimes when you're in the middle of them, you don't realize how much is happening and how much this little heart is being um, trained and shaped And I've seen in my own kids' lives that oftentimes by the time they get to be going into first grade, they have already made a lot of decisions about themselves. They have already established a lot of things in their heart. And it all happened in the midst of wiping butts and potty training and learning to count your numbers. And and you think, I'm just going to get through this season. And then what really matters is how I parent them, you know, when they're older. But there's so much that happens in those young years hidden years of seed planting that feels exhausting, but then all of a sudden, you know, early on in elementary, most kids have a certain concept. They have some questions answered. This is just, I'm not, this isn't statistics. This is just what I've observed in my experience with my own kids and other kids. Usually by the time they're going into first grade, usually by the time kindergarten is over, they have determined in their heart, am I loved? They just They just have made up their mind kind of on that. And it can change, but the framework of that has been established. Am I valuable? Am I good at anything? Am I cool? Do people want to be my friend? Do people play with me on recess? 
They have determined, how do I get here? And who is God? And what's his relationship with me? All of these like super important questions are answered early on in these formative years when we have the opportunity to speak to their potential and speak truth. So this morning, are you speaking life over the seedlings in your life? Are you speaking to their potential? Are you making the most of every teachable moment and cultivating the gift within them? I've got a lot on my heart. This is a little bit of a heavy Mother's Day message, but man, what we do is so important. What we do as mothers and grandmothers and people who influence this next generation, they're seeds. The next point is, are you protecting and staking your seed? Are you protecting and staking your seed? Let's talk first about protecting. Are you protecting your seed? In the natural, seeds grow into seedlings before they're mature trees, right? And oftentimes, the way we care for seedlings is different than we care for mature trees. You grow a seedling in a greenhouse. Can you show that picture? Anybody have a greenhouse? I'm super impressed. That's cool. I want to see it. I don't have one. I think it'd be cool to have one. Um, So seedlings. In a greenhouse, you care for them differently. Our neighbor has one kind of off the back of his garage, and he's in there caring for them, and it's, you're a daily nurturing them and caring for them and making sure the pot is big enough and the water and pruning. And you're, you're caring for them. And the greenhouse is protecting them from the elements, the harsh elements of the real world because they're not ready to survive out there on their own yet. So you're protecting them in a greenhouse. Matthew 6, through 23 says, The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, if the eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. The scripture is saying what we allow into our eyes impacts our life. Our eyes are the light of our body. They, they, They give us vision. They give us light for our path. They help us make good decisions. If, if our eyes are bad or, if, or if, if our eyes are good, if what we're allowing into our eye gate and our ear gate, like we talked about last week, if what we're allowing into our eyes is good, then our body will be full of light, our heart, our soul, our life. But if our eyes are bad, if we're allowing unhealthy things into our eyes, then there's darkness that abides, right? We talked about this a little bit last week, but I think it re- repeats it um, it's good to repeat in this context, as mothers, as people influence this next generation, we have to be like a greenhouse for these seedlings, recognizing that what's coming in their eyes and their ears has the impact to create light or darkness in their soul. We have to be so careful with the, with the shows we allow them to watch, with the books that we read, all the media that we talked about last week, right? The video games and and all the different things that come into our eyes because our eyes are the light of our body. I'm reading a book by Jen Johnson, who's a worship leader at Bethel, and it's a new book she wrote called Lovely. It's really great. Um, But in there, she has four questions. She's got a lot of kids. She's got four questions that she asks herself, and she empowers her kids to ask themselves when it comes to what they're allowing to come into their eyes. And here's the four questions. As you're considering what you're looking at or what you're hearing, would Jesus be proud of everything in this? It's a good question for us, but it's a good question as we endeavor to be a greenhouse for young kids. Is everything in this, if Jesus was watching my kid watch this, would he be proud? 
Another question she encourages you to ask is, does everything in this represent how Jesus wants me to live? By my kid watching this, are they being exposed to an unholy lifestyle that's not the way that God wants me or my kid to live? And then more for the adult, what need of mine is meeting, is this thing that I'm consuming meeting in an unhealthy way? And then why do I want to watch this? But just some good filters, right? We talked about that a lot next week or last week. The other thing in this point is staking. We need to stake our seedling. We need to protect it in the greenhouse, but then eventually it goes out and it, it learns to grow on its own. And oftentimes it needs staking. Go ahead and show them this picture of staking, staking, right? Staking, you put stakes up on a tree as it's growing to make sure it grows the right way, to lead it in the path, to frame its life. Staking. As we're investing into this next generation, mamas, and everybody who, wants, who cares about this next generation, we have to stake the life of the seedlings. What does that mean? Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds are framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen are not made with those things which are visible. So God frames the world. God stakes the world with his word. As mamas, as parents, we need to stake our kids' lives with the word so that they grow in the right direction. They follow the path that God has for them. And alive kids, you know, if your kids or your grandkids go to alive kids, there's three things. Our goal is that alive kids graduate alive kids ministry knowing three essential things, three stakes that we're putting up in their life. God made me. God loves me. Jesus is my forever friend. Really foundational, really basic, but really get them going in the right direction. God made me. God has a purpose. What does that mean? You know, God made me. God has a purpose for me. God has a plan for me. If I'm artistic, God made me that way for a purpose. If God made me a boy, he made me a boy on purpose. If I have questions about my life, I have a creator who made me, and I can go to him and ask him about things because he made me. God loves me. God's going to love me. Your kids, alive kids, are going to graduate knowing, man, God loves me unconditionally. Nothing I can do can separate me from the love of the Father. I am loved. One of the core things that all of us need to have settled in our heart is that we are loved. We are valuable. We are priceless. And so we're teaching that those are stakes for young seedlings. For them to know God is your biggest cheerleader. God is for you and not against you. God has good plans for you. You are treasured. You are loved. Every night since our kids have been born, every night with each of our kids, we sing Jesus Loves Me. Our nighttime routine is we read a devotional with them or a Bible story. We pray. We thank God for the day. We pray. And then we sing Jesus Loves Me. Foundational. Like if my kids don't know anything, they know that God, Jesus loves them because they sing it every night. There's nothing better that you can know, right? And we're singing it too, reminding us ourselves every night, Jesus loves me too. We need to know that it's a stake, it's a foundational thing that our kids have to know, right? And then Jesus is my forever friend. Those three things that are stakes in our live kids ministry want to encourage you to have them be stakes in the seedlings in your life. Jesus is my forever friend. I can go to Jesus about anything. 
You know, earlier this week, I was talking with my five-year-old, and we were reading the devotion, his devotional at night. He always has amazing questions about God when it's bedtime because he knows his parents will stay up as long as he wants to ask questions. <laughs> and so he asks all kinds of questions right at bedtime, and we're in there for hours. Eli knows, Mom, are you coming to tuck me in now? No, Ezra has one more question. Um, so anyways, we were talking about how God speaks to us and teaching him God speaks to us in our heart and God speaks to us through the word. And how does God speak to us in our heart? No, it's not an audible voice. And, and he was using his own language to describe how he's experienced it before. And he had earlier, something had happened and he needed to apologize to one of his siblings. And I said, for, and then he came down on his own and said, hey, mama, I think I need to go apologize. I said, yes, awesome. So I said that to him. I said, hey, you know, you hear God's voice because you were up in your room all by yourself and you came down and had the idea to apologize. That was God speaking to your heart, just helping him connect the dots, right? And I said, you know, we, we can have a conversation. Jesus is our forever friend, so we can have conversations with him all throughout the day. And if you lose something, you can ask him and he'll show you and just staking his life, right? So the next morning at breakfast, you know, these little tiny Lego pieces, his Lego thing fell on the floor and this tiny little Lego piece fell somewhere. We were in the kitchen. We couldn't find it in the kitchen. So everyone starts looking. It's before school. Big sister ends up finding it like two rooms away. And yay, we found the Lego piece. And big kids had left to go get ready. And I was still at the table with him. And he goes, Mom, we should have asked Jesus to help us find the Lego piece. Yes, we should have, honey. Just little things, stakes. Jesus is my forever friend, so I can ask him about anything. Amen? We need to help our kids navigate this big world with both truth and love. This fall, we did a series on truth and love, right? We need to teach our kids how to navigate this world with both truth and love, the stakes of their life, love and truth. Amen? And so we need to teach them, hey, we love all people. Not everyone lives the way that like we live, but we love all people. We don't judge people. We love people unconditionally. But when it comes to decisions in our own life, every time kids will ask a question, our, our immediate response is, what does the Bible say? Because we build our life on the word, right? So we want to encourage our seedlings with love and truth. And man, in the world that we live in, sexuality and identity and all of that, they're being taught what that means by the world. As parents, we cannot be afraid to share love and truth on this topic. We love all people, deeply love all people. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We love everybody. But when it comes to how we live, we look at what the word says, right? And we see that God created Adam and Eve, and he blessed marriage and sexuality in the union of a male and a female under the covering of marriage, and that's blessed, and that's good, and that's how we want to live our life. We have to teach our kids these foundational truths and teach them how to navigate it in both love and truth. Amen? Man, parenting is such a holy endeavor. Teaching our kids how to follow God is such a holy endeavor, but God, God helps us, right? Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. 
You shall teach them diligently to your children, and they shall talk of them when you sit in the house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, always talking about the Lord all throughout the day. Amen? Last point for this morning is this. Are we raising spiritually resilient children? Are we raising spiritually resilient seedlings? When it comes to raising seedlings, the ultimate goal is that they become independent, mature trees on their own, right? The the goal is that they don't just come to church because we brought them, but they become independently dependent on Jesus, right? And so how do we do that? We see scripture has great promises for this. It says Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way that they should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Psalm 145 verse 4 says, One generation shall command your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Man, we serve a generational God. He refers to seeds because seeds create seeds. And how we train and equip and nurture our seed impacts how they're going to train and equip and nurture their seed. I want to share as I close, I want to share this statistic and we'll talk about it and we'll, and we'll close in prayer here in just a minute. There was a study recently done that showed that my generation, millennials, 75% of kids who grew up in church did not connect with Jesus in their 20s. They fell away. Only 25% continued in their faith in their 20s if they had been raised in church. That's a horrible statistic. And we're changing that statistic here at Alive. But there's some really practical, you know, we believe here it's the natural and the supernatural together that makes an explosive force for God. There was a study that, tried, that looked at the variables. What are the variables that were different? What, what variables did this 25% have in common that the 75% did not? Go ahead and show this slide, and then we'll talk about it. There were, and you might not be able to read it because it's so small, so I'll, I'll read what it says. There's five variables that this study found that the 25% that continued living for the Lord um, in their 20s all of them had these five things in common. Some are super supernatural, like super practical, and others are more supernatural, spiritual. Real quick, these five kids that then became 20-year-olds, they all ate dinner with their family five to seven nights a week. There is something about gathering around the table that is so practical and so spiritual. That could be a whole other message. We've done messages on that gathering around the table, pushing pause on the day and saying, I value you. How was your day? Reconnecting, relationally, logging family hours, eating meals together, gathering around the table together. Super practical with super spiritual fruit. Number two, they served with their family in ministry. Church was not something that mom and dad did. They did it together. It was a family thing. We all did it together. Number three, they had one spiritual experience in the home during the week. One time. So five to seven times they were eating dinner as a family. Their parents had relational coins in the bucket. They had relational influence. Five to seven times around the table eating. One time doing something spiritual at home. One time a week they read the Bible as a family. One time a week they prayed together or they shared a testimony or whatever it might be. You know, it's good to have Devo time every week, but the stat is saying these kids at least had one meaningful, authentic, spiritual moment, spiritual moment with their family a week. Another thing, these people that continued in their faith after childhood um, had at least one faith-focused adult in their life other than their parents. 
that I mentioned how important the alive kids and the alive youth leaders are. Someone other than mom and dad telling them how much God loves them and how God has a plan for them. Man, if, if, if you want to impact the next generation, our kids need to see other people living for the Lord, investing into them, being here on Sunday morning, teaching them the word, and then building a relationship with them even outside of Sunday morning. So important. And then lastly, another trait that these kids that continued in faith had um, is that they were entrusted with responsibility in ministry at an early age. We have a big thing around here, like we really encourage engagement. We think if you're serving, if you're in a crew, if you're giving, if you're engaging somehow, it's better for you. Your, your faith is growing. And so these kids didn't just attend church, but their parents served or led a crew and they were involved in serving also. I'm so proud this morning, our 11-year-old um, daughter is doing the slides. She's doing all this stuff that you're seeing on the screens and online. We've got the Adams kids, or one of them in the back, the Adams kids helping on other Sundays in the tech booth. Middle school, high school, elementary age kids serving the Lord, engaging. Jeff Vega, who's on audio, he shared with me that he grew up going to church and he was doing what he's doing this morning as an elementary kid, serving in church. And here he is in his 20s still serving the Lord. There, there's, a, there's power in when we allow our kids to engage with us and serve and be active in our faith together. What a joy, honor, and privilege it is and challenge it is to cultivate the potential within our seedlings, speak life to them, to protect and stake our, our seedlings and to raise spiritually resilient seedlings. Amen. Church family, let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. And God, we thank you for your word to lead us and guide us. God, we ask for your help to do all these things well. Lord, to raise up this next generation, to raise up holy seed. You desire holy seed, children and descendants that know you and love you and serve you and know how to navigate love and truth. Jesus, you came full of grace and full of truth. Help us stake the seedlings lives in our life with these things. God, we pray over the next generation. God, we thank you for the babies and for the preschoolers and for the elementary and the middle schoolers and the youth and those entering the college season. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you move mightily in their lives from a young age that they would know you and follow you. And Lord, that you would empower us to make adjustments, to make priorities of simple things like gathering around the table, praying, engaging in our faith and helping our kids engage with us, speaking over their potential, nurturing, caring, protecting and staking out the seedlings. Lord, we, we receive it in Jesus' name. With all eyes closed and all head bowed, if you're here this morning, or maybe you're joining online and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, God has, I want to say to you, God made you. God loves you. Jesus wants to be your forever friend. And it starts simply with you receiving him as Lord. He did everything that needs to be done for you to have relationship with him. All he's waiting on is for you to say, all right, Jesus, I'm following you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you're good. I believe you love me. And I receive you and I declare that you're my Lord. With all eyes closed and head bowed, if you're here this morning, you want to boldly raise your hand. No eyes are looking. No one's coming forward. But just before the Lord, say, God, I'm all in. All eyes closed and head bowed. Would you raise your hand and let me know? Amen. And online, let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, 
We thank you for your word. We thank you that Jesus came and died for us. And we receive him this morning as our Savior and as our Lord. We want to follow him all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.